Hey guys, this is Sam Hunter. Welcome to the Sam Hunter Podcast, where we discuss all things hunting, trapping, and fishing. You know, there's a lot of deer attractants on the market today, but what if you could get one that caught in deer from long distances away and was extremely healthy for your deer herd? Well, now you can do that with Deer Kashi. It's a deer attractant made from fermented certified organic rice bran saturated with effective microorganisms. Draws in deer from long distances, keeps deer coming for days, improves your hunting success, Rice bran is nutrient-dense food. It increases meat yield, provides phosphorus for growth and reproduction. Okay, Deer Kashi is made by East Coast Botanicals, and they have a couple other products that go with this. Uh, The DS300 Microbial Probiotic for Deer. It's a liquid probiotic solution. It aids in digestion, boosts the animal's immune system, increases intestinal bacteria, provides probiotics and antioxidants, and improves the water quality. And finally, if you're a big uh, food plot grower, then you might want to try the AG1000, okay, for your food plot. It increases your production, increases your yield, um, and increases nutrition for the animal's health, improves nutrient availability, balances pH levels, increases organic matter, and improves moisture retention, okay? It's a ready-to-use soil conditioner, comprised of effective microorganisms. It allows a better nutrient exchange in your soil and helps to improve drainage, moisture retention, and soil structure. All right, all these products you can get by emailing sales at eastcoastbotanicals.net. Okay, that's Deer Kashi, DS300, and AG1000. And again, you can get this by emailing sales at eastcoastbotanicals.net. Don't forget when you email, give them the code. Sam Hunter. What does this do? One, it lets them know you're a listener of my podcast. Two, it gets you free shipping on your order. And three, it gets you 5% off your total order. So make sure to give them the code Sam Hunter. And again, you can email them at sales at eastcoastbotanicals.net. Hey, Kate, welcome to the Sam Hunter Podcast. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's great to have you on the show. And before we get started, I just want to say for all our listeners, you can follow Kate on Instagram at Kate underscore small underscore outdoors. Again, that's Kate underscore small underscore outdoors. And also on Facebook at Kate Small. But do you also have a, um, a Facebook page, like a public page for everyone? Yeah, it's just Kate Small Outdoors. Kate Small Outdoors. Perfect. And we're just going to start today with um, what got you into hunting? That's usually the first question we start with, with all our guests is just kind of what, what got you started? Um, You know, were you uh, pretty young when you got started? Was it more recent? Um, What's your story? So I was pretty late to the game getting started. No one in my family hunted. And um, when I was 19, my mom married my stepdad and he was a big hunter And I was really interested in it. And so he was kind enough to take me out. And it became this awesome bonding experience for us. And um, I've just been hunting ever since. I fell in love with it. Wow, that's pretty incredible. And for getting started at 19, I feel like 
you've come a long way in a short amount of time. Um, I, I also got a late start. Um, and I usually feel a little outside of the bubble when I talk to the different guests we have on the podcast, because most of them have started from, you know, childhood. Um, even some, I think we've had on the show as young as like three and four years old going out with their dad or, or whatnot. And so it's good to hear of another, you know, late starter, but, um, getting into it so late, I mean, you know, going with your stepdad and kind of getting started at that age, how did you uh, bring yourself to the level you're at now? Because obviously people can see when they go to your Instagram and see, um, the success and the different hunts and fishing and everything that you do that you're not just the average hunter. You're, you're very skilled, you're successful. Um, which I know every success comes with a lot of failures in the background, but how did you get to such a high level of hunting so quickly? Uh, I think I had really good mentors. My stepdad was really good. My husband's a great hunter. And so I was lucky in that sense to have, I didn't just have to learn on my own and I wasn't self-taught, you know? Um, so I was very lucky. And then just time, just, I think, um, the more time you're on the mountain, the higher your success rate is going to be. Absolutely. And I want to jump into something cool that you've done recently. Uh, Tell all of our listeners a little bit about your new partnership with Initial Ascent, the pack you've been sponsoring, even a little about the commercial you did for them, you know, just a little bit about that for our listeners. Yeah. So um, as a a female hunter, I've been using packs that really don't fit me. They're They're great packs, don't get me wrong, but they're made for, you know, a six foot man. And um, right. Initial Ascent, the backpacking company, I had met them at a couple of outdoor shows and my husband fell in love with their packs and they are great packs, but they just didn't fit me. And just um, this week, they came out with a female frame, so it fits a much shorter torso. Um, And in their testing process, they had approached me and asked if I'd test it for them. And so I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And I just fell in love with it. It is a game changer for any female hunters and it even fits um, youth hunters. So if you have like those younger kids, teenagers at home, it'll fit them as well, which I think is really cool to have. That is awesome. And you did use that recently, didn't you, on a a moose hunt? You got the chance to try that out? Yes, yes. I drew a a once-in-a-lifetime Idaho um, Shiris moose tag, and that was my heaviest pack out to date. And then I was able to use that pack frame with it. So it was really neat to be able to put it to the test and see what it could do. And it did not disappoint. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, I know you did a commercial for them recently. How did that kind of come about? Um, had you done that kind of thing before where you're filming for a, a product and, you know, how was the, uh, experience in general? Uh, it was fun. They just, they are actually Idaho based and they live in a town outside of the town I lived in and just asked if I'd be a part of it. And, um, I'm super awkward. So it was a little uncomfortable, <laughs> but, um, it, it was fun and I was glad I could help out. So that's awesome. Well, yeah, it looked it looked awesome, and it looks like a great product. And I know a lot of, um, like you said, youth hunters and women hunters out there uh, could really enjoy that product. And so I want to get into mindset. I don't I don't feel like in a lot of episodes we dive deep into mindset. We might dive into different types of hunting, but specifically, I thought with this because I know you also do you know you hunt for food, but you also do predator hunting. So I want to for a quick second go into mindset about this. 
Um, I've done some of both. And for me, obviously there's similarities, but there's kind of a different mindset for me that goes into it. But I just wanted to hear for you, is there a whole different mindset when you're predator hunting versus hunting food? Obviously there's some different tactics. um, So you can get into a little bit of that different tactics, but do you also find yourself in a different mindset when you're hunting a hunter versus hunting the prey? Um, It's definitely a little bit of a different mindset because you know, the things you're hunting could be hunting you at the same time. Right. So if you're hunting bears, which we also eat the bears we harvest, but wolves, especially right. they're pack animals and you have them surround you and it's a different ball game. Um, so you have to be a little bit more on your toes. Um, you have to pay attention more. Um, so, it, you know, it gives you that kind of chills up your spine feeling when you're hunting them. It's an adrenaline rush, but it is a different mindset. Wolves, we don't eat. It's not for food for us, but it is to save our ungulate population here in Idaho because they've done some serious damage to that. And so it's, it's protecting your food almost. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I can register with what you're saying on, um, a little bit of that different feel and like more of the chills in certain situations. Like one of the first times I went out to the family property where um, one of our neighbors down there who has a farm down there, he told us that over the years, the coyote population, I'm over here in Georgia, but the coyote population has gotten so drastic and increased so much just in the past, I think he said 10 years or something that he said, used to see rabbits all over the place, all kinds of foxes, um, he didn't really have any problems with the cows that he raises, but just in the last 10 years, I forget the number he said, but it was insane. The number of calves that he's lost. He said, you hardly ever see a rabbit hopping around anymore. He said, you can slowly, the deer population somehow is still pretty good, but he said it has gone down and you don't see as many foxes, the coyotes, he said, have just kind of taken over. Um, and so I had started kind of hunting deer at this, you know, family property where my cousin has hunted and uh done so for years but like i said i got started late into the game when he took me but one day i went with a friend to just try some coyote hunting because i heard what an issue it was there and when we um we just did a female uh single howl and then waited a few minutes did one more and this took no time at all it's like we heard the first howl coming and the minute that howl went through the air it's like we both got chills (laughs) it's like I, i can't explain it and I mean, we were on the ground at the time and I'd never hunted coyotes before, so I didn't know what to expect. So I guess there was a little anxiousness like, oh, like, is, are we in the best spot right now if they just come out of nowhere? But um, then it was really cool because almost like a wildfire and all the times I've called coyotes, this hasn't quite happened the same way since. I'll usually hear them call back from a certain area and that's it. But this one day, the first time we had ever done it here the call started to spread around us almost like a wildfire, like in a circle (laughs) around us. And when that happened, I got the most insane chills just because it was so cool to literally hear it go around as if a fire was being lit and it just circled around. Um, And then it got closer and closer. And then uh, in another podcast episode, I talked about this with a a really great coyote hunter, but I'd hit, you know, pup distress or something. And um, he he said it wasn't so much from the call, but just could have been that we may have been seen or or different things could have happened. He said, there's a lot of possibilities, but all of a sudden everything went silent. I had gone to pup distress because um, I I had just seen how popular that call was in in different groups and how well it was working. But I do know what you mean because the adrenaline I felt in that moment, it's like when I'm deer hunting, I'm excited to be out there. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it, but 
I don't really feel that adrenaline until I see the deer. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like with, with, with predator hunting, the minute you even hear them, it's like those chills just kind of start. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I did want to ask because I've seen, you know, you've hunted wolves. Um, have you coyote? Hunted yes. As well? Yeah. We coyote hunt. Um, we, we actually just started doing quite a bit of thermal hunting, which is pretty dang fun. Um, and right. It, you know, they're more active at night. So it really, really helps. Um, but yeah, we do coyote hunting and we try to do it all. <laughs> We're out there as much as we can. That's, right. That's amazing. And the thermal hunting is something that I want to get into. I have a friend who does that and he's very successful with it. He's usually the guy who gets all the calls around here from different farmers and ranchers who need help because um, their livestock oh, is getting absolutely. killed. And he, he, he always always seems to come through and you know he's got all the thermal and the heavy duty gear so that's the direction i'd like to move to but um as far as wool like wolves versus coyote hunting uh because we had a i guess just a few i guess several episodes ago now but who's one of the best coyote hunters out there but he said he hasn't really done wolf hunting so we weren't able able to really get into this uh, too much but what are the similarities in wolf hunting versus coyote hunting? Is it really similar or is it a whole different ball game? Can you use collars as the same kind of thing or are there completely different tactics? So it's, it's so hard. I would say it's a whole different ball game just because wolves are so intelligent. It is, it's scary how smart they are. Um, right. And they're, you know, they're very fast. Their eyesight's incredible. And so it, it is a whole different ballgame. You can call them in, which um, a lot of times, my favorite time to hunt them is February because that's when they're mating. So they're very territorial. Um, and so we'll howl them in with our mounts because they think we're another wolf. Um, the, one, the one my husband got, it ran straight at us and he shot it at, I believe, 46 yards. And it was just wow. drooling. It was, it was coming in to kill. <laughs> so right. it, and you know, a wolf is a lot bigger. So it's a bit scarier Absolutely. than coyote hunting when that happens. Um, oh, I bet. And it, you know, with calls, it's different because a lot of people are trying to hunt wolves now and they're so smart. You, if one person hunts that pack and screws up, you're probably not going to get a shot at that pack again. Um, trappers have a much better success rate, um, wolf trappers. And there's, um, some numbers that I heard that wolf hunters, um, or hunters in general, only 1% will ever harvest a wolf in their lifetime. And then less than one sixteenth of that 1% will be doing it on purpose. Most people are elk hunting and they come into a mm -hmm. cow call or calf call. And just right. Well, that's that, that's incredible. That's insane to hear the one percent mark, because I know um, I mean, I, I've even looked up some stats on coyote hunting. And although there's a much higher success rate than that with coyote hunting, it does say that the majority of coyotes killed every year is people that are deer hunting. So a similar type thing and a coyote happens to pass through. Um, but, you know, with as intelligent as coyotes are, I, I can't even imagine how difficult it would be to hunt a wolf and i know with trapping it's a similar thing it seems like it's still tough to get a coyote but um i've maybe seen more people post successful coyote catches than hunts um and so it sounds like it's the same with the wolves now 
with their intelligence, and, and again, coyotes are so smart, but with wolves even being beyond that in their intelligence, is it the same with trapping? Like you got to kind of go the extra mile than even when you're trying to make a set for a coyote. I would assume so. I don't trap. I, it's something I really want to get into, um, but I just, I haven't had time to take the classes to do so yet. Um, but I, I am friends with a lot of wolf trappers and yeah, I, the time and effort and money these guys put into it is insane. Absolutely. And that's going to kind of transition us into something else, um, which is just this incredible hate that I see on social media from the antis. But as we dive into that, a transition point would be here in the trapping. Um, So far, you know, I haven't gotten a whole lot of negative things, but I have gotten some. And when I do, everybody handles these things differently. I'm more of the like block and approve type person. but. Before I was, I, I remember the first negative thing I'd ever gotten into all been positive. And then on something where I took a picture of a fox that I trapped, um, somebody commented, you know, about what a, you know, psychopathic kind of thing. And, and so I was kind of taken back by it. And I looked and they were all into hunting and fishing. So I was really surprised. But I, so I kind of started this open sort of a debate. It was a mini debate. It wasn't long, just comedy back and forth. And just sort of asking, because I, I was honestly confused, seeing that they were such a big hunter and, and um, angler. But, you know, she had just said, taking the picture, she had basically said, you're, you know, you're sitting there uh, making fun of the animal in that way and him being so humiliated. And I was just thinking, you know, obviously in these situations, when you take a picture of, of, your, of your harvest or the animal you take or the fish you catch, it's for the memories and, you know, remembering that experience in the woods. Um, the same reason people get mounts and things done. But to it was just surprising that to see the mindset some people go to think that maybe, you know, it's not like you're sitting there saying, Oh, you know, I yeah. got you. Aha. I mean, in that case, it would be kind of weird, but you're just taking a picture to remember the moment. And also it's kind of amazing. The mindset of some people to think that these animals are sitting there thinking, Oh no, he's making fun of me. <laughs> this is embarrassing me in front of all my friends. Like that's not what's <laughs> happening. So, um, trans- and so, you know, after that, I just kind of deleted our conversation and kind of went the route of, I don't know, I, I, I guess I'm a little OCD and with the negativity, I kind of just wanted to trim it from the page, but I've seen a lot of people handle it in different ways. Um, we, I usually ask uh, people with, you know, big social media followings, how they handle these different things. And I've gotten a lot of different answers. Um, I had people who said that they report it to different social media sites and try to get those people's sites shut down. Uh, when we had Jana Waller on the show, she had something different than I kind of heard before that she doesn't report those things because in her experience in the past, the social media site, whatever it is, um, she said, normally the social media sites out there don't really have the best interest I, of hunters I and trappers would wholeheartedly and agree with in that. Mind. I don't report them either. Right. Right. And she said that at times they will suggest, well, we'll just shut down the site. That'll fix the problem, which doesn't help, doesn't help us. So um, for you, you know, I've noticed that, you know, you're, from what I've seen for the most part, you're not like to block and, and delete things. And you're willing to have that conversation and you don't get ugly or nasty back. Um, but these people do get very hateful and nasty to you. So what's kind of your reason for sticking with the strategy or maybe not strategy, just the route you're going where you, maybe let them say what they say and you are welcome. You are open with, you know, chatting back with them because some people are not open to doing that. What's kind of your mindset? My mindset is if I can just educate at least one person, 
you know, I'm not trying to change their mind, but I'm trying to get them to see our point right. of view and why, you know, I think wolf hunting is the the biggest issue that usually comes up on my social media. Wolves and bears and people think they're the cute, cuddly little creatures, you know, that you see on TV right. and they don't do anything, but you know, they're animals and they're dangerous and they're, they're really causing a problem here in Idaho. You know, I can't speak for other states, but I know Idaho. And if they're not managed, we're not going to have an ungulate population anymore. And so I try to explain that to people, um, whether they hear it or not, usually is in one ear out the other and they just want again an argument. Um, but my thought right. process is, okay, I've tried, I can make peace with that. Um, and then if that doesn't work and they're just, you know, coming up with some awful things to say, I usually, I'm pretty, I'm kind of a smart ass. So I'll just end it with humor and <laughs> some wit. In right. There. That was another thing I was going to say, which, which I thought was hilarious. And I love looking at different accounts and even people we've had on the show and seeing how they handle these things. And like I said, sometimes I never see anything because I already know, and we've talked about it. They're the kind that they have to approve it. So there's nothing on there. Some people get a little bit upset, understandably so back. And some people uh, engage back, but you've been more unique in the ways I've seen you engage because you're never ugly or hateful ever. And you do give facts up front. And then if they just keep going, like you give facts that make perfect sense and they're still, Oh, you know, you <laughs> yeah. should die, and they just go back to this crazy stuff they're saying. Then you get a little smart and say something sarcastic or funny, which, uh, you know, I appreciate that. And um, it's it's amusing to see that. But I, like when all these comments flood through and then, of course, there are your supporters. And, and then a lot of them are even getting on the people that are saying those things. And um, but when you do get these comments over and over mixed in with the good things you get. I mean, does it hurt? Is it just kind of like you're numb to it at this point? Did you start out numb to it or you like built, built I think up to that I've always point? had a pretty thick skin. I'm really sarcastic. So whatever anybody says, I'm always like, eh. Uh, and so it's never bothered right. me. It honestly is more just it's comical to me because I can't I can't ever imagine just talking to a stranger and saying, I hope you die or I'm going to put your baby in a blender. Right. Just awful things and some of the things they say are hilarious because they'll see I have dogs and they're so upset I killed an animal they're like well I'm gonna kill your dogs I'm like well if you love animals so much why would you do that right (laughs) and they'll yeah and they'll say horrible things and I'm like well am I the bad person here or are you the one who's wishing another human would die so it's more all just right my husband and I just go through them and I probably shouldn't read them all. I usually do because I think they're so funny Uh, (laughs) and we just die laughing. Someone photoshopped. um, There's a picture of me holding a wolf and someone photoshopped Jesus's face onto mine and then my face onto the wolves. (laughs) And that's, I think that person and I would be best friends if they didn't hate me so much. (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing okay so yeah that was another thing I was going to ask is you know how your husband takes it but it sounds like he's kind of on the same page with you like you both have you know thick skin yeah kind of laugh it off I mean it's when people bring our kid into it it's a little I've I try really hard to keep her off all social media and I've done that from the beginning the older she gets the more I'll probably you know when she starts hunting with us a little more I'll obviously bring that in um but when people say stuff about my kid you know if anyone talks about your kid you're like all right there's a line to be drawn um but you know if 
anyone, most of these people are never serious in their death, death threats. If anyone is, we're always just like, well, you're kind of a moron for like coming after people who hunt apex predators for a living. So <laughs> bring it on. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know it's, it's a lot of different pe- people that do this. It's men and women, but one of the things that like bothers me a little bit, and I've talked to um, Sky, a trapper on here about this same thing. And, you know, she made some good points about it, but in, in your opinion, why do so many women who claim that women should stick up for other women, actually end up being some of the biggest contributors to the attacking, the demeaning, the harassing of women hunters, instead of actually just empowering them for being brave, you know, brave enough to stand up for something that for so long, primarily men were doing. And, and instead of encouraging them to be like, hey, this is awesome. Like, I support you. They're the ones kind of being hypocritical and going behind their back and, and, and just like demeaning women who are hunting. Like, wh- what is the reason for this? I, I, I've tried to understand Well, that I, 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 I can't either. Uh- <laughs> But I think it's it's hard to understand. But I think, you know, people are like, yes, let's support each other if you believe in what I believe in. But if you have a differing opinion, then you're a piece of crap. And they they have this, I think even these women that claim to be feminists have this idea in their head that women still, you know, should be ladylike, um, shouldn't get their hands dirty, you know, they're you know, they want to be right. empowered in an office, but if it comes to anything outdoors, that's a no, no. And, <laughs> and that's right. the only sense I can make of it because it doesn't, you know, make any sense at all. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I want to get into your advice for women too, because I have two sons um, and I have a new oh, former golden daughter, my first daughter. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, as much as I can't wait to go hunting with my young sons, I can't wait to go hunting, shopping, fishing with my daughter, <laughs> but I know it's going to be a while because she's only four months old, but seeing what I've seen and I've seen hate on all kinds of social media sites, you know, man or woman, but what I've seen on really successful women hunters pages really kind of troubles me. And when I think about wanting to get her into this and knowing already ahead of time, the backlash, she's going to face and at four months old i don't exactly know if she's going to be more of the laugh it off or more sensitive type so what is kind of your advice for just women in general because talking to other women hunters on the show they've said it's definitely worse and there's a lot of bully tactics involved um and so for maybe the ones whether they are the laugh it type off or not like what's the best advice you can give them to just kind of truck through and do what they're passionate about and not worry about what everyone's you know, saying? And it's so hard because social media, I think everyone worries about what everyone's saying or doing. So it's difficult, but really you just have to laugh it off. If you're enjoying it, it does not matter what someone in a different country or across the U S thinks about you. Cause if they have right. time to sit there and demean you online, they must not have a lot going on in their lives. They must be pretty bored. So I don't think I've ever gone on somebody's page. And if I see something I don't like, I'm like, eh, and keep scrolling. I've never gone out to be mean or type something awful to someone because I didn't agree with what they were doing or I, you know, or I thought they were doing it wrong. I think a lot of new hunters get a lot of flack, you know, if they ask questions, you see like on all those hunter pages on Facebook, somebody asks a question and these people just get ripped apart. And they're just trying to figure out how to do it, right? And so I think as right. the hunting community, we have 
a lot working against us with the anti-hunters, but you see the hate in the hunting community. And the hunters are going after hunters because guys are hunting in tree stands, but other people like to spot and stalk. It's like, you know, if you like to do it, do it your way and just forget about everyone else if it makes you happy. Absolutely. And that that's great advice, too, because I've seen that a lot, too, in different groups. I mean, I'm, I'm a part of so many different hunting, trapping, and fishing groups just so I can always see what's going on all over the U.S., but also in my state of Georgia so I can see what's going on locally and um, you know, you see things all the time where somebody shoots a pretty decent deer and somebody else is upset because it wasn't a 200 inch deer or somebody asks, you know, is my hunt over if this happened and people are freaking out on them for asking that. And it's just the crazy, like you see so much stuff, even from hunters or, um, you know, like I said, the person who, uh, was really into hunting and fishing, but freaked out about the trapping thing. So you, the attack is, you know, it's from the antis, but it's also, there's some stuff within that could be fixed in the hunting, trapping, fishing communities um, to be more cohesive so that we're more prepared to take on what you got to take on already as a unit rather than, you know, splitting each other up and that sort of thing. Um, But before we get into, I I want to close out with a walkthrough. And whenever I get to this part, I feel like everyone I talk to, they they kind (laughs) Uh of stumble over this part. (laughs) And so I don't ever mean for it to be that way because everybody's like, well, every hunt's such a memorable hunt. So I don't necessarily mean, you know, your, your favorite hunt or, or the best one ever. Just we'll get to in a second, a walkthrough of one of your most memorable, memorable hunts, you know, whether it was a moose, bear, wolf, it could be for different reasons, maybe just the experience, the people you were with, but kind of just a detailed walkthrough. I love hearing, you know, the stories from the morning up, you know, getting ready, going in the stand or, or going out on foot or whatever the case is, the little details that add up to a successful hunt. But before we even get there, um, as far as wild game meals, whether it's fish, um, I've heard some insane stories about different predator animals. Like, uh, I've heard some, there was somebody we had on the show, I believe it was, um, I, Jeff Dunlap said that there was a, a bobcat meal that he would take any day over any yeah. kind of venison. And I've heard similar things of different, um, different animals. So, what is your favorite wild game meal? How is it typically prepared? You know, you don't have to walk through like what ingredients and stuff, but like what's basically your, your, typically um, your favorite wild well, game Well, first meal? of all, I can't walk you through ingredients because I am no cook at all. The only thing <laughs> I make are reservations. <laughs> so my husband is the cook, but I'm a really good eater. Right. So we have been eating the <laughs> moose I got and it's a once in a lifetime tag here in Idaho. So we, it's really like the first time I've tried moose. It is phenomenal, Um, just phenomenal. And my favorite meal is just like a simple moose roast. And he just throws it in the crock pot with potatoes, carrots, broccoli, you know, butter. And it is so good. I'd take that over anything. That that does sound pretty amazing. And, you know, um, one thing we've we've heard and, you know, I haven't had it confirmed from multiple people, but um, you know, Hunt Chef said, as far as venison goes, that it's like whitetail's great, deer's great, but elk, a lot of people say that that's even a little bit better. Like it just tastes better. And then moose, they say, is the best tasting of the venison. So it's like as you go up to these different levels of, of animal, it's like the meat quality or something, it, it, the taste, I the eyes of most people completely is much agree with that. It, I don't know what it is, but it's true. And it, you know, it depends on how right. old the animal is. If you shoot 
an ancient animal, the antlers right. might look beautiful, but the meat's probably not going to be great. So. Right. Absolutely. And as far as a walkthrough of your most memorable hunt, we'll close with this, but you know, it could even be that moose that you got recently. Um, if something else comes to mind, that's okay. But just something where you kind of, I know there's those hunts for me where some where things happened, you know, quickly and there's not a whole lot of details, but there's some hunts that I just remember. Like I remember the flow of the day. I remember the birds in the morning, the way the sun, you know, was going through the leaves and you just had like this good feeling. And then it happened. I know for everyone, there's those, those few hunts that kind of stand out a little bit above the rest. Um, what's one of your um, most my favorite hunts? hunt by far is probably the day my husband and I doubled up on wolves and um, we had, wow. So we, it's hard for us to get out. We get out a lot, but we, where we live, we have no family around to watch our daughter. Um, so if we want to go, we, we love back country hunts. Um, so if we want to go do that, we have to drive seven hours to Oregon to drop her off with my parents. So, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Seven hours. So, oh, wow. And we do it. We do it all the time to make it work. Um, but this particular hunt was in Montana. And so we drove seven hours, dropped her off um, with my parents, then drove seven hours back to the Boise area and then drove, I think it was like 12 hours in the craziest snowstorm up to Montana. And um, we are lucky enough to be friends with, I don't know if you know who Luke Sterling is. Um, he's Sterling Extreme Outdoors and he is a wolf killing machine. Um, he's just, he's been doing it for years and he's so great at it. Um, but he um, went with us. And we were planning on going in the back country, but we pulled up to where we wanted to go, parked the, the truck, got out of the truck by this frozen lake. And uh, my husband was like, there's a wolf. <laughs> and wow, that, yeah, fast. that fast. And so you're expecting like this long, it's going to be so hard hunt. And we literally right. step out. He's like, he pulls up his binos. He's like, there's a wolf across the lake. And we're like, no way. And he's like, get your stuff. So we're, we're like scrambling. <laughs> we're in like two feet of snow. It was freezing. With the wind chill that day, it was negative 44. And it, it oh, was crazy. Wow. It was so crazy. <laughs> and so we kind of ran down this road, made our way down to this lake, um, started howling for um these wolves to come in because we were watching them come down from the timber on the other side, hit the ice on this frozen lake and just walk along the edge of this frozen lake. So we were on a whole pack and um, they weren't coming in. And then all of a sudden we just hear like this angry barking from really far away. And I didn't even, at the time I didn't know wolves really barked, you know, you don't, you just think of them howling. And right. my, my husband and I were set up um, probably 10 feet from each other and he turned around his gun was on the ground and he turned around to say to us do you guys hear that and Luke said don't move and Luke and I are staring at this wolf that had hit the ice and is on a dead sprint straight at us <laughs> and that wow. was a terrifying moment <laughs> and that thing, <laughs> I bet oh my gosh that thing Blue. I've never, I've never seen an animal run so wow. fast. And Luke said, and Justin's back is to it, so he doesn't know what's going on. 
And Luke says to Justin, because I, I had a bush in my way, so I didn't have a shot. He says, when I tell you aim for 200, and Luke says, now, and Justin just turns around and picks up his rifle, and that wolf was at 50 yards <laughs> by the time he turned around and picked up his That's rifle. Incredible. And he shot and luckily just wow. dropped it in its tracks. Otherwise, we would have been a nice meal. Uh, <laughs> And (laughs) so we were like hooping and hollering and um, it was pretty exciting. And then about an hour and a half later, we um, did a, just a handheld rabbit call and my wolf just slowly trotted in for about 20 minutes and (laughs) across the ice. And um, I was sitting there and I was like down on my gun. I was ready and I didn't have a glove on because I wanted to be steady and I had my thumb uh, and fingers on the like cold rifle and they kept saying like take your hand off the gun and I was like shut up <laughs> there's a wolf coming in <laughs> and, um, I got him at about I think we didn't have a range finder we did it was too cold so it wasn't working so we were just guessing ranges right and um, I shot and hit a little low the first time but still um, double lunged him and he ran even with a double lung. He ran 400 yards. They're tougher than, yeah, they're so tough. And then I put another one in him and he was down. Um, And I ended up getting frostbite on my thumb for being an idiot. (laughs) But then afterwards, (laughs) the recovery of, us having to walk out on this frozen lake and there's water seeping up and we were like, oh, this is sketchy <laughs> to go get these wolves. It was right. just a, oh, wow. it was a crazy experience. That sounds amazing. And definitely like one that, you know, obviously, you know, y'all will both remember forever um, and, and might stand out above the rest. So I know you said you were shooting a rifle, and I'm assuming was your husband also shooting a rifle? Yes, and he was so upset because he was going to bring his bow, and I was like, we're never going to get in bow range, you moron. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That was wrong. (laughs) Well, that's that's pretty awesome and impressive that he was able to, you know, get the rifle and get it in scope at that, like, 50 yards in. Because I know I've seen a lot of successful coyote hunters, um, when they're in the more close-type ranges, they'll break out a shotgun or something or, you know, whatnot. But um, that's pretty awesome that at 50 yards, he was able to get that and that you guys were able to or get the one that you got 400 yards later. That's incredible. Oh, that they, they can are, run that far after being double lung. So they're so tough and you'll see stories online. And I know guys that have shot them, they watch them drop. Then they head over to the spot they dropped at and they're just gone. And, you know, they're just, such tough creatures you i have a huge respect for them and that's i think one of the things people don't understand about hunters too is you respect the animal you're going after absolutely and you know considering that one percent or so of hunters who are actually hunting wolves succeed it is pretty awesome that you and your husband were able to get them both and on the same day to double up because I'm pretty sure, um, you know, with 1% of hunters harvesting wolves, married couples, each of them harvesting a wolf together, that's got to be even a ridiculously more rare stat. So that's a pretty awesome story. And did you guys happen to get those, like, you know, the pelts made? So we are going to get his full mounted because he shot the alpha female. 
And so she was huge. Mine had a bit of mange, okay. so I might do like a weird wolf shoulder mail. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. And again, all our listeners, you can follow her at Kate underscore small underscore outdoors on Instagram and Kate small outdoors on Facebook. And we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Um, some great information. And thank you awesome so posts. much so for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Sam Hunter podcast, where we discuss all things hunting, trapping and fishing. Be sure to tune in next time and we'll see you there.